everybody. How's everybody doing? It's 6.55 p.m. As you know, for the 7 o'clock show, that is right on time. I just wanted to take a couple of minutes to get you all settled in, and then we go through our grab bag, and then we have a wonderful guest to introduce right after the opening and get into a topic that even though it is local in nature, it is the the farthest thing from local. It is the farthest thing from local. In fact, many people have called, um, called it a national security issue, but it's also a lesson to be learned and hopefully will inspire some proactive motion in other states around the union. But we are going to be hanging out and talking about a very mind-boggling audit of my home state of New York. And I'll, uh, I'll get all the names and the places and everything, all that out to you in just a second. But it's June 7th, 2023, and this is a day that will live in infamy because this is the night before I left the house. I was sitting down, I made my, I cooked myself a steak. It was perfectly medium rare. I'm eating it and all that, and, and Aurora's getting herself all together, and she's, uh, and she's having her, her, her dino nuggets and a couple of french fries and she said daddy what's that and she knows exactly what it is daddy you eating steak so i said yeah i said you you want some and she goes sure so i said oh, really okay so I, I i i cut cut a little piece off got it on the fork put it up to her mouth and she went mm. oh and she went nuts and that was an amazing that's great I mean, talk about, talk about a multivitamin. That is a steak. That's your multivitamin right there. Cooked to perfection, nothing but sea salt, no A1, nothing like that. Maybe a little bit of garlic butter. And um, she had a couple. I said, see, it's just like bacon. And she said, yeah. And then she said, mommy, it's just like bacon. And she loved it. And now that is the beginning of a new chapter in Aurora's life. This is Aurora plus steak. And I'm very happy. Just remember, June 7th, 2023, it was a Wednesday evening, and I'm glad that you are joining me tonight as we take a stroll through the daffodils. All right, tomorrow night we got Leo Zagami on. There's plenty we can talk about. We can talk a little bit about the UFO thing. We can also talk about the Pope and whether or not this latest rush to the emergency room is going to help stave off death. And then there's going to be Timothy Alberino in... On Friday night, which is going to be the deep dive into UFO land. And that is outside of the whistleblower and really a talk about uh, a lot of a lot of bigger questions I have about the the idea of a deception and more. So it's perfect Friday night stuff for you next week. Plenty of good stuff that is brewing. Remember, tomorrow night is book club session two for Shoeless Joe. And it's uh, just a wonderful book. I hope that you guys get caught up and you, you you hop on board. I also want to just throw it on out there that in August, we're not going to have any book for book club in July. But in August, we're going to be reading Devil in the White City together. And my co-host for that is going to be Lindsay Sharman. It's going to be Wednesday nights in August, five nights in August. And you've got to oh, please get your book from now, Devil in the White City by Eric Larson. You're going to go nuts for this book. You're going, to be, you're going to walk away with it knowing so much about so many damn things. 
it is focused around the really intriguing 1893 World's Fair and the parallel story of H.H. Holmes, our nation's first really big serial killer. Um, just, I don't know, you know, being a serial killer. All at the same time in the same city. See, Chicago has not gotten any better since 1893. <laughs> Sorry, Chicago. Things aren't looking good, even in the 19th century. So, all right, what else do we have? That's all I have over there. Now let's go into the grab bag. First one up is Jamie Foxx. Did you hear about this? Nope, that's a blank screen. Hold on a second. Jamie Foxx, a little bit of an update. They say that he's being taught now how to walk all over again, which is just... I mean, we, we got a little bit from... AJ Benza last week and it uh, I, I don't think it's surprising most people who pay attention to this kind of thing but this is this is this is rough I don't know how much longer you're going to be able to to hide this Jamie Foxx being taught how to walk again at Chicago physical rehab facility after mysterious health crisis a big mystery he's undergoing intense physiotherapy to aid his recovery in an effort to get back on his feet full-time, Radar Online has been exclusively told. While mystery continues to shroud the true extent of the megastar's health, 55-year-old Fox has suffered mobility struggles after the April 11th incident in Atlanta where he, he was filming Netflix's Back in Action, a well-placed source has said. So, as I said, it's not going to be something you can hide. This is nothing that's going to be worked back from very soon. Here's another little something for you you should keep in mind. Beware of, uh, I guess, tantric sex groups that are really just cults, you know, like Nexium. There's more of this going on. Heads of Orgasmic Meditation Group, be very wary. If you go on Craigslist, do not, do not answer the Orgasmic Meditation Group headline. One taste has been charged with forced labor and sex abuse of followers. I wonder if they were branding people as well. The group's founder, Nicole Dedon, promised enlightenment through orgasms. Hmm. That didn't last long, but prosecutors say she ran a cult-like operation. Heads of the once popular wellness group, watch out for that, world well, that word wellness too. We talked about that. Uh, and I think on Monday night with the, the YMCA changing the fitness center to the wellness center. Gotta be careful. One taste which promised enlightenment through orgasms has been charged with running it like a cult in which followers were groomed to engage in unwanted sex acts and forced to work for free. Nicole Dedone, who founded One Taste in 2004 and drew wide attention through her promotion of orgasmic meditation in which trauma would be washed away through partnered partnered jacking of sorts. Mutual masturbation. That's what it is. I'm sorry, there's ladies in the room, and I did not expect this to be so dirty. Um, in which traumas would be washed away through this partnered fun. Is accused of draining her mostly women's followers' bank accounts and not paying them for their labor. You see... It's never about the Keith Rainier guy. He was a part, big part of it, and of course, think, look at how easily flushed away he was. The upper echelon of the Nexium sex cult was all women, all billionaire heiress 
will women and celebrities. So, ladies, yes, yes, they give you the patriarchy to rage against, but you have to watch out for one another because can't pull any of these things off without your 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 fellow traitors out there. Federal prosecutors in Brooklyn say Daydone, 56, and One Taste's former head of sales, Rachel Sherwitz, 43, ran a years-long scheme to obtain free labor from followers by subjecting them to economic, sexual, and psychological abuse using surveillance, indoctrination, and intimidation. I wonder what the labor was. I, I, do they say... Under the guise of empowerment, the defendants are alleged to have sought complete control over their employees' lives, including driving them into debt. Does that sounds like uh, Scientology too? Well, it's all cult. It's all cult behavior, and perform acts of a sexual nature while also withholding wages. My gosh! Now I wonder. I wonder where the physical labor comes into. We're going to have to save a lot of this for the aside because it, it might be a bigger story than we think we'll keep following this one and then uh here's another one i want to bring on up tucker carlson we talked a little bit about this yesterday when i did a a little crash course on the latest act of sabotage out there in ukraine tucker carlson's twitter debut goes mega viral former fox host crushes ratings while taylor lorenz embarrasses herself again Tucker Carlson's first Twitter broadcast went mega viral Tuesday night, racking up 71.6 million views in less than 24 hours. That's of this, as of this publishing over here. During the 10-minute monologue, Carlson slammed Ukraine warmongers, took the media to task for ignoring the bombshell of the millennium in which a government whistleblower revealed that craft developed by non-human intelligence has been recovered by governments around the world, although we've had government whistleblowers, government whistleblowers and ex-military and people like Bob Lazar coming out since the 80s and well before that. The timing of this one is very suspicious, but we'll get into that over the course of the next two episodes, no doubt about it. Quote, nobody knows what's happening. A small group of people control access to all relevant information and the rest of us don't know. We're allowed to yap all we want about racism, but go ahead and talk about something that really matters and see what happens. If you keep it up, they'll make you be quiet. Trust us, that's how they maintain control. A lot of what we're gonna talk about tonight is in that very same category. I mean, uh, I think it has been made pretty clear that part of the reason why Tucker Carlson is no longer at Fox is because of some of the questions and some of the topics he had brought up around election integrity in 2020. Because, of course, those in charge want you to think that 2020 was the most secure election in the history of all elections in the world. Nobody knows what's happening, he said. Needless to say, Tucker's first broadcast knocked it out of the park, further validating Twitter as a legitimate platform for major media that isn't brought to you by Pfizer, so to speak. And when Matt Walsh brought attention to this, or uh, at least to the What is a Woman documentary that's now going around unabated on Twitter. Elon Musk commented about the 175 million views that What is a Woman racked up. He said, uh, view count is actually understated as it does not include anything from our API. For, for example, tweets you see in Google search results or on Bloomberg terminals. It's even bigger. For context, Fox News 7 p.m. broadcast, listen to this, of Jesse Waters reached 2 million viewers on June 5th per Mediaite, 
While the Fox News rotation, which was replaced, has replaced Carlson, 8 p.m. slot, just hit 1.5 million viewers Monday night. Television has always been this pathetic. Even with him on there, it was cool having somebody on there who every once in a while would drop a piece of information that would make you blush. Like, I can't believe he went there. I wish he would go a little bit deeper. But still, uh, I mean, that, that created a lot of great fodder for the internet because you cut it up into smaller bits and then it goes out to where everybody really is hanging out. You know, the whole cable wars with who in primetime got 3.2 million viewers instead of 3.1 is so pathetic when you think about a country. Our country alone has nearly 340 million people that we can account for. It's so pathetic to hear about the, the cable news wars all of a sudden. You're in a broom closet. That's what cable news is. If that turns out to be false, we'll leave. He says, oh, I'm sorry. He says, as of today, we've come to Twitter, which we hope will be a short wave radio under the blankets, adding, we are told there are no gatekeepers here. If that turns out to be false, we'll leave. But in the meantime, we're grateful to be here. I'm glad he brought up shortwave radio because this is how I've always approached my show. I always wanted, I wanted to bring a new generation of talk radio, that human voice crackling through in the woods on a small transistor. I love that. And I love the pirate nature of it. And I hope that we can keep it up and I hope it can get more and more accessible. Taylor Lorenz made a fool of herself as always. We don't have to listen to her and her big ears, her gigantic ears. I don't know who the hell in her family was Nestor. Some weird, weird genetics through that. And in how old is she again? 85 years old? Nobody knows. She's like a Dominican baseball player. In the little in little league, obviously 35 years old, but playing with the 12-year-olds. Everybody knows something's going on with uh, with Taylor, but she's she's going to keep at it. The best thing about it though is that CNN in all of their complete lack of self-awareness, they <laughs> They went out there and they said this on the same on the week that we learned that they got they got, they got rid of that guy uh, licked their new CEO got rid of him they have been hemorrhaging viewers they are tanking right now CNN had the nerve to tweet out Tucker Carlson is back sort of I mean the ratio is incredible the ratio on this one is incredible because of course if they had souls to sell they would have sold all of them collectively for even a sniff of the views that he got in his first episode on Twitter. So all that out in front, that's all I have for you on on this end of the pre-show. So I hope that you guys and gals have found your normal seat or you have settled into a new one. Get comfortable, grab yourself a drink, pack some glass, whatever it is, and we will be back in just a short moment send out all those links that i've tweeted out and truthed out and gabbed out and hopefully we can bring in some new friends and some old friends we haven't seen in a while be right back you let one ant stand up to us then they all might stand up those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. 
Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Right. It's the time of the season. I don't know what season it is. It's like the season of the witch out there right now, glowing orange. It's so weird. I just I know that we have a couple more days of this. Today was today was intense. It really was. Um it was intense. You know what? I'm I'm gonna just talk about this with my my in-studio guest right now. I want to introduce you to Marley Hornick of New York Citizens Audit, and she's here to talk about something very, very important. Marley, thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you so much for having us. It's really fun to be in studio with you. This place is great. I'm, I'm hope I'm glad that you're you're making yourself comfortable, and uh, I know that you you came here from about an hour away, so it's it's so nice that you you made the time for me. Um, is it as crazy? Is the, are the skies just as crazy up by you than over here? Yes, there's a lot of smoke. Uh, our little mountaintop is actually um, cleaner than other places I've seen, so we've been a little bit protected. I'm not quite sure how, but maybe it's just the 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 the, uh, the height up there, the altitude over down here. Today was the first day that I saw that we actually had these wafting screens of smoke that just went right. I, I said, "Whoa!" It's not just a, a fogginess and a haze. There was actual smoke. And it feels like everybody around me has had a barbecue go way out of control. Yeah, when we went over the Newburgh Beacon Bridge, you couldn't even see the river, actually, from the bridge, which is very, very hazy smoke. <laughs> those, those bridges, man. I uh, Those bridges up in, the, like, Hudson Valley and stuff, they are beautiful, but I those are the, still, those are the only ones I still hold my breath with. <laughs> I know. Still, only ones I still hold my breath. I, I like, think about Mothman and stuff like that. I'm thinking, like, something like this is going to happen. But um, I want to I want to just get down to the the fundamentals of you, what you do, how all this came to be, because we covered your story through the reporting of people like Wendy Mahoney over at Uncovered DC, good friends of the show, and I, I will first of all before we talk about the audit, I would like to know what you did before this project. So so what do you do? Um, nothing. <laughs> Of any particular That's import, actually. I'm, I'm a homeschool mom. I I, for about 12 years, I was basically just hiding out in the woods making herbal medicine with my kids. That's basically who I am until I picked up the clipboard because I love America so much. And I, I was so disturbed by what I saw in 2020. And so many people saw it. You know, we all saw it. We watched it together. We watched the ballots in Pennsylvania get sequestered to the side and ordered by the Supreme Court to be counted separately. And then we watched them get counted together. We watched, you know, the ballots being rolled out in suitcases in, in Georgia and the, the cardboard up over the windows in Detroit. It was like, what the heck is this? This is not America. No. 
No, and, and uh, I mean, uh, Philadelphia, we saw a lot of that there, too. Absolutely. It was straight-up gangsterism, and I'm, I'm so happy. You know, I don't know anything about you outside of this work, but it's so refreshing to he just hear that because <laughs> it's another example of civic responsibility that need, uh, this is the this is the bell that really needs to be rung. It's that everybody has a responsibility to at least talk about this, to further the conversation, or and to volunteer in in any way, shape, or form. A, a poll watcher, but what you did is gargantuan in size. So I would love to just know. For, so obviously, 2020 was the final straw for you. You smelled a rat. How do you go about organizing? an audit of a state the size of New York because obviously you need a lot of volunteers, you need to have a plan. So from soup to nuts, what do we what do we have going on here? What was the process like to plan that? It was, um, honestly, I have to confess that it's not planned. It's an or it's an, an a living organism that is continually unfolding. And I always say to my team, I've said this from day one, we are the miracle. Don't ever doubt in our ability to figure this out and get this sorted out because all these other people on their white horses are not coming to save us. They're, they're, they don't know what to do. We have to figure this out. This is our America. We're like the mothers and fathers of our generation. So if we, if we look back at the founders and we say, wow, look at how incredible the founding fathers, and I always say the founding mothers were, because I know they were there too. Mm -hmm. But it's like, uh, you know, that, that's, our, that's our duty if we love America and we don't want to see America destroyed, which frankly is unfolding before our eyes. We have to stand up and say, we got this. The most incredible, intelligent, um, forensic people live in New York, you know, so everyone was home, right? Everyone, they're told, oh, you're not essential anymore. Don't go to work. Don't even call in. You know, if you don't want to go, if you don't want to take this medical experiment, then don't even bother. Mm. And so you have all these brilliant people home uh, thinking to themselves, wow, how do we fix this? So they heard about our effort and they got in touch with me. At that point, I was in a telegram chat. So they got in touch with me through Telegram and I would call them up and say, all right, well, how do you want to help? And you know, what's, what's your background? What are your skills? And then we figured out how they could help. And literally that's how we built New York Citizens Audit, which we have had over 2,000 active contributing volunteers from Montauk to Buffalo. Just in the state, 2,000. Just, yep. And, and that's, that does obviously include all of the, the, the national media that now covers what you're doing, which is great because I would hope that this is inspiring other people to do the same in their states. But um, so once you start getting this, this flow of people who are interested in helping, as you said, coming from all, all walks of life, they live in New York, they're disaffected with the way life has been uh, changed you know how arms have been bent and here we are in this really crazy situation where do you start from there what do you have to start doing to find information and start analyzing it where does the analysis even begin what questions do you have to ask that's my next question all right so we basically use the freedom of information law to request copies of the new york state voter roll database and all 62 county databases that's it it's public information that it, you can ask for it's our right as citizens in new york we're very lucky actually in new york because many states charge um, ridiculous amounts of money for that information which is our information remember the elections in america belong to the people we we fund election offices and 
the election outcomes in America couldn't be more critical for we the people because we are the sovereign of this nation. Therefore, it is our determination, our will, who gets the, the green light to work on writing law and enforcing law in America. That's up to us. That is based on provable and accurate election outcomes. If that is not taking place, then the chain between we the people and our representatives is broken. And as Thomas Paine said, in America, the law is the king. If that chain is broken, the law is basically rogue. And I think that's a pretty good way to describe what we're experiencing, frankly. Yeah. I, I mean, Well, you know, I, I think that's the biggest reason why all these gubernatorial races in, um, in Pennsylvania, in Arizona, have been so important. Because what we had the, the Supreme Court... John Roberts himself, the Chief Justice, essentially do was allow Pennsylvania to completely ignore Article 2 in, in cutting out the state legislature from creating election law in the state where it just came down from executive fiat within the state, which is not the way it's supposed to be. And, and that was the complicity of the Supreme Court itself. So when you, when you, think, about, uh, when you think about the way that what you're saying, it, it's so relevant it's so relevant to constitutional order and to and to how um, that those those tentacles really come back to connecting with us, and how those tentacles have now been cut. Man, uh, I mean that's so. What, what once you get all these? Oh, do you have something else? Well, I just wanted to to build on what you're saying because that breach of the law was justified under the COVID emergency, right? So, but what what we discovered little by little as we started to audit the state voter roll database in particular and compare it to the county voter roll databases is that is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, many, many of our election laws are being ignored and they're being ignored in New York at scale. So we started finding anomalies in the database. We started having questions. How come this record looks like this? How come this record was purged on Christmas Eve? How come there's hundreds of thousands or, or a couple thousand records purged on Christmas Eve? How come there's over a million people registered to vote on January 1st? How come there's people whose birth date is one year in one version of the NICE voter database? That's the New York State voter rolls. And how come their birth date is different in the next version? You know, when we request a copy two months later, how come their birth date has changed? We had question after question after question about this data, and we started pulling up election law, which thankfully is very clear. They call it black letter law. You just look at it and you know what it means. And, um, and we discovered millions and millions of material violations of black letter election law in the New York State voter roll database, NICE voter, which is considered the official record under the Help America Vote Act. So under federal law, that database is the official record for the administration and certification of federal elections in New York State. And it is riddled, riddled with violations of the law. It's like what they did in 2020, that was just, I mean, that was the icing on the cake, but the cake, you you open up that cake and it's like, whoa, what yeah. the heck is going on here? How did this happen? How did, well, it obviously took a long time and it was incremental and nobody's paying attention. You know, you know uh, man, I, I'm gonna read the actual thing. Um, one of the, one of the passages that you, you wrote in this letter um, you know, to New York citizens. There's an open letter that you wrote that was published in Uncovered DC. But 
one of the things that we started noticing in 2020, especially in, in a lot of those bigger city uh, polling stations, as you were saying before, is that we had a... It's obvious that for generations, there was a group of people, mainly from one political party, that had become very comfortable of election night being their domain. And when all of a sudden there was a group, uh, another group of people who did not belong to the same club as them, but wanted to be involved in the election, which would, of course, add a little bit too much conflict of interest in the room, because now there are eyes who, uh, you know, are not willing to look the other way if you're doing something weird. Then we started getting, as you were, you had brought up before, a lot of those instances of bullying, the cardboard up on windows. I mean, I, you extrapolate that out to whatever the hell led to millions of new registrants on a January 1st or all these anomalies popping up. It's probably just well, more of the same, but in just a, a different venue. They, they are, they're used to just doing whatever they want. And um, listen to this is what you had written, and I, I put this on the show once before. It said through auditing the voter roll databases obtained directly from state and local boards of elections, we have uncovered millions of invalid registrant registrations, uh, hundreds of thousands of votes cast by legally invalid registrations, hundreds of thousands of votes cast by legally invalid registrants, massive vote discrepancies, and the clear presence of algorithmic patterns. We reverse engineered from within the state's own official records. Can you talk a little bit about um, algorithmic patterns that you reverse and what, what what were these patterns you're talking about? Well, it, it carefully controls the assignment of state and county ID numbers within the voting databases mm. in in Nice Voter at the state level. Uh, I don't really want to get into the details of the algorithms themselves because they're incredibly complex. They're, they're highly, highly complicated mathematical control patterns. What I can tell you is that our research team is able to take a handful of registration numbers and they can calculate over 10 million rows of nice voter exactly as it appears in the database. So from, you know, whatever, 10, 20 numbers, they can calculate over 10 million registration records, the state ID numbers and the county ID numbers in exact order. That's impossible. That's like, that's, that's so outrageously illegal and indicative of manipulation. What happened for New York Citizens Audit recently that was a huge feather in our cap, frankly, is that we turned from being an organization that had a crazy idea that Nice Voter had been breached and it was a national security emergency. And I want to thank Ed Henry for allowing me on his show so many times to say that because nobody else would, and it was true. And that, that research project which reverse engineered those algorithms and can calculate the database. And also, you know what else can, we can do now is we can predict purge status. Uh, so, so when you register to vote, obviously you're an active registrant, uh, but there are some circumstances under which the Board of Elections would purge your registration, hmm. which means it's no longer able to be used for any purpose. We can predict purge status based on your state board of elections ID number. That's like me telling you what day your daughter was born just by looking you in the face, right? Like, how could I possibly know that about you? Yeah. Without, so, so how come looking at a state ID number, we can 
accurately, over 99% accuracy, predict the, the status of that voter. We can predict whether or not that voter has more than one State Board of Elections ID number, contrary to black letter election law. These are things we can do because of the algorithms. Uh, again, the math itself is it's mind numbing. You don't even want to talk about the math. It's 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 so complex. However, God gave us a beautiful person who was able to to discover this and able to reverse engineer it, able to walk it back, which is a miracle. But but what just happened for New York Citizens Audit is his work, Andrew Petkett's work, was peer reviewed and published in a scientific journal a scientific journal published by experts in the arena of cybersecurity and cyber intelligence. And basically the term that's used for this kind of algorithmic programming, because not only does it control uh, information in the database, it's also deeply, deeply hidden. It's, it's so impossible that we found it, is all I can say. That's the only way to say it. It's, um, it's called steganography. Steganography. And when there is steganography, according to the Cyber Intelligence Information Security Agency, the federal agency that oversees election security for the entirety of the United States of America, and our voting systems, in case you don't know about this, our voting systems are part of our national security infrastructure. So they are subject to the strictest cyber intelligence and cybersecurity protocols. When you have steganography in a database, that means that it's a total loss of control data breach. That's their term. It means that the information in that database has been destroyed and cannot be trusted. No dimensional aspect of that data can be trusted. So if you're talking about a voter roll database, you can't trust name, you can't trust address, you can't trust date of birth, you can't trust registration date, you can't trust voter history. I mean, what the, what's the point in having a voter database if you can't trust the information in it? And then actually it means that the, the data has been destroyed. It's unrecoverable. The database is toast. Gee, I, 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 okay, well, I, I got a few questions for that. The, <laughs> the first question is this. Um, explain to me what opportunity is created for anybody who's, because you, know, you, you, you have said this here, this is the second part of your of this uh, excerpt on Uncovered DC. You said to to be absolutely clear, there is no known innocent purpose for ex or explanation for why these algorithms exist. I am told by cyber intelligence experts they indicate a total loss of control, as you just said, uh, the most severe kind of data breach recognized by our federal government. The law says it renders the affected NYS voter database completely untrustworthy. My question is that what oper you, you had brought up the fact that they had that you can see how many vote, uh, voter ID numbers have been created for each individual person, that there, if, there was, if there was in duplicate or something like that, is that, am I getting it wrong? Well, yeah, you're getting, you're getting into the territory. So basically what the system does at this time is it creates multiple identities for the same person. Okay. So what, what Eric, for example, the Eric database system is supposed to do is it supposed to find different uh, different instances of the same unique individual across databases or inside of a single database? And it's supposed to help to resolve all of those different instances of a person into one record. 
because it's very confusing when you have multiple instances of the same person, especially in a voter database where you're counting votes for federal elections. Uh, how do you know which registrations count? How do you know which votes to count? Exactly. It, That's it, what I'm thinking. Like it's you, complete chaos, actually, to tell you the truth. And, and, they, and it's a violation of the law. So the law says in New York State, this is New York State Codes, Rules, and Regulations 6217 5E. <laughs> I've got it wired. Oh, yeah. It says, nice voters shall assign a unique statewide identifier to each legally registered voter that stays with the voter for their voting life. That's the law. Uh, the Board of Elections has a different opinion. They say, well, that's how the database is designed. But, you know, it doesn't always work that way. And extra registrations sometimes come in from the DMV and they don't get caught. Well, we're talking about, they're saying, oh, just a couple of extra registrations. We found 1.1 million unique sets of personal identifying information assigned 2.4 million unique state board of elections id numbers that's one and a quarter million extra opportunities to cast votes but the voter has no access to that because you have to have administrative access to nice voter in order to cast a second vote using this method when voters go to the polls you get a ballot based on your name and address nobody knows their state board of elections id number nobody knows how to cheat this way no, I, and one and a quarter, I just want to say this because I know you guys have an audience all over America. One and a quarter million excess State Board of Elections ID numbers is more than the population of, what is it, Wisconsin? No, no, no. It's Wyoming, Wyoming. Alaska, North Dakota, South Dakota, Delaware, and one other, oh, maybe Rhode Island, all put together. I can't remember what the sixth state was. I did this. I had like a Twitter math night, and I got into this whole thing because I was trying to help people understand they're not allowed to call this a clerical error. This is more than the population of six United States territories, states, yeah. together. That's not a clerical error. It's What I'm trying to wrap my head around, <laughs> I know this is staggering, absolutely staggering, but what I'm trying to wrap, wrap my head around is why, why do you need to clone, effectively clone a person one or two times over I mean, what if that? What if it shows up that a person is voting more than three times in in the name of that in the name of that person? Why not just create a a dummy person or 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 resurrect the dead or I don't know, why why what's the deal with that? Well, that's an interesting point, and it's obvious to us because what we started doing, and I personally launched this canvas effort because I felt terrible for people. I really felt like, wow, you know, the State Board of Elections, some of these people have 11, 20, you know, they have huge numbers of registrations in Nice Voter, and each one of those is a minimum of three felonies. And and these people, if the, if the Board of Elections ever came after them, how would they defend themselves? They don't have, you know, uh, data experts who volunteered for a like a citizen's audit operating on their team and, and program software developers and programmers coming in and working for free, how would they ever defend themselves against the idea that they had committed all these felonies? So I said, we have to tell these people that they're getting framed. And um, so we started this canvas effort, which I, you know, I, I was a little pie in the sky about it, I'll be honest. I thought, wow, you know, they're going to open the door and they're going to be like, whoa, you know, the State Board of Elections is framing me for all these felonies. I want to, you know, I want to take action right now. But in reality, most of them were watching their TV show or getting their kids ready for a ball game or doing their laundry. And they 
hadn't spent the amount of time I had reading state and federal election law. I mean, it's a, it's like, <laughs> I mean, at the very, I, maybe you got to just start telling them what's going on in different ways. Like this is identity theft. Yes. I mean, well, th that, yes, it's arguable whether or not that would actually hold in court, but it, I see it that way. I agree with you, Frank. I think it's identity theft because when you create a fraudulent official document in someone else's name and you use that official document to commit a felony like casting an extra vote uh that's identity theft actually that's the definition and right. you have millions of cases here and you have many people casting double votes we had 2600 people cast a double vote in 2020 we had about, uh, I think about 1,400, something like that, people cast a double vote in 2022. Something interesting about that, you know, to me, this is this is prima facie. I know it's not, but it to me, <laughs> just with your own spidey senses, if you had people doing that in 2020, if you've, you found 2,600 people in New York who actually figured out how to hack into Nice Voter and assign themselves a second or third vote using their State Board of Elections ID number, knowing in advance that they had these excess registrations in there, knowing how to find them, which was frankly quite complicated, and put them together side by side. And then they did it in 2020, but then they didn't do it in 2022. Two, you know, 1,400 or 1,500 different people did it in 2022. That's just so not plausible. No, no, <laughs> it's not. And, and, you know, the other thing I'm thinking about here, too, is, I mean, the, the beaver woman, Kathy Hochul, she um, she is so detestable. And I, I, I knew that it would be a long shot just based on the the the, the trajectory of of uh, New York uh, elections and all that stuff. But she beat Lee Zeldin by less than 400,000 votes in a in a state that traditionally and i we're going to get into tra the idea of tradition in the age of voter fraud like this um uh, traditionally uh, a democrat should have walked away with it if you're talking about one million plus votes you, i mean the the margins of the margins in which you can create so much chaos and swing elections that are especially this close is just incredible and i i this makes me feel even more that she actually lost as Eldon. Well, I have no idea who won that election. I'm not putting you on the spot. No, I'm I know. Talking for me. I know what what I argue and what New York citizens are argues is that not only do we not know, but the state board of elections doesn't know either because their database is in a total loss of control data breach. So whatever excuse they give for the 1.1 million people registered to vote on January 1st and the, the 1.9 million registration records that contrary to the law exist in the state database, but not the corresponding county databases and all of these other giant, giant anomalies that the 338,000 more votes cast than voters who voted in 2020, according to their own official records, no matter what they say to excuse those, they actually have no idea who won the 2022 gubernatorial election in New York. They can never, ever prove it because the data is in a state of complete chaos. There's forged records, there's destroyed records. There's, you know, this was a very expensive piece of programming added to Nice Voter. And either they are naive and don't know it's there, but didn't bother to check and make sure the database was straight. Mm. 
You see, <clears throat> the problem these certifiers have actually is that you have this complete chaotic system, right? It's just noise, 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 tentacles, rabbit holes. It's just, it's a giant mess. And there's one Achilles heel. There's one point in the entire voting system when someone has to put pen to paper and say, looks good to me. And that person has an affirmative duty before they put pen to paper to know that the election is accurate, to have verified that the election was accurate using the, the, the auditable record trail that was mandated by, mandated by a Democrat law. The Democrats passed the Help America Vote Act, which, act, which set the, uh, the error rate for federal elections and it set the auditable record trail as a mandate under, uh, I'm not gonna get into all the, all the acronyms, but it's very, very stringent. They set this into position. That certifier, before they put pen to paper, has an aff affirmative duty to check all of that and make sure that no part of our voting system was breached in their state and that everything was unwaveringly faithful to the federal and state laws that govern that election. The reason they have to do that before they certify is what I talked about before. If they don't, if the election is not provable, that chain is broken between the people and the authority to assign people as assign representatives who write and enforce laws. If that chain is broken, then who's running that organization? It's becoming a criminal cabal because it's not oversighted by the people anymore. Yeah, it's 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 like having a town with a uh, a backwards building department, just uh, just doing whatever the hell you want. We have a lot of a lot of uh, experience with that over here in this town too. Let me ask you. Uh, let me ask you again because you brought it up a couple of times, and I just really want to get this down. But the idea of national security risk, national security threat. When we say that, when we say national security threat, national security risk, we think of most people think of the open border. They'll think of uh, the national debt, which is definitely a national security risk because if you're racked by debt, you can't get through a real crisis. And then when. Um, but when you know, and when the voter rolls are this bad, obviously the autonomy of a state is the first death. You know, this is the autonomy of an individual state. But explain why uh, some have categorized New York State's situation as a national security threat. Um, again, for me, because I, I would I want to really understand that how it extrapolates out. Sure. Basically, it, it's very simple. Our voting systems have been designated as critical national security infrastructure by the federal government. That includes the voter roll databases. People talk about dirty voter rolls. That's a misnomer, really. You know, if you have a dirty dish, you can wash it. You can apply hot water and soap, and that dish can be just as nice and fresh for the next user, right? A dirty voter roll database that is being manipulated at scale is uncleanable. It's not a dirty voter roll. It's a, it's, a, it's a breach of a critical national security infrastructure system. Who is allowed to register to vote in New York State? Who is allowed to cast ballots according to that database? 
is is part of determining the the security of our nation, right? That's the founding principle of America. Our founders were geniuses, actually. They built, they were so meticulous and they crafted a zero trust system. They'd had it with living under a tyrant. They meticulously and deliberately crafted a zero trust system in which transparency and accountability under the law applies to everyone. And the transparency of our election systems couldn't be more critical to maintaining the principles of liberty upon which our nation was founded. How can you have freedom of speech? How can you have freedom of conscience, freedom of religion? How can you have all of these beautiful liberties, which we were gifted? It's our duty to protect them, but we were gifted them because we were born in America. How can you have those under a system where the election officials ignore the law and tell you who won your election mm. and they can't prove it to you it's and, 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 and when you say it that way it's even worse than that because what we really do is we wait around for the media to tell us i mean 2020 was the we were we were literally and i remember axios and others were telling us what the game plan would be around the time that they were putting out that whole red mirage theory here's how it's going to be first of all election night is no longer a thing it is election week, perhaps even election fortnight, two weeks, a month, who knows, that we ha we've been privileged up to this point to be able to actually have tallied those votes over the course of an evening and know who won in one place or another by the next morning. And then they told us that, that it's going to look like one candidate's going to be running away with this, and then slowly, surely, it'll all go away. And from that point on, we need to wait for the Associated Press to tell us, declare the winner. Uh, I think most people are waiting for the Associated Press and things like that to say what's what instead of I, I don't I don't, I don't even know if anybody would be able to if you put a thousand dollars in front of them who certifies elections in your state I don't think anybody would be able to say it it's just oh well, I heard it on the news and that's just really that's just really how detached we are um, but that's the, the the bigger thing now I want to talk to you about is the psychological warfare aspect of all this. Um, first, I'll, I'll ask, have you spoken, have you been in contact with, have you shared notes and homework with any people who are in your position in other states? Like, in, I know that there are people trying to audit Pennsylvania. I know this is going on elsewhere. How connected are you to other people in other states who are doing what you do? Well, I've been very connected to many people doing this work in other states. And actually, on that basis, and because of uh, New York Citizens Audit determination to not only run an investigation, but to compare our findings with the law and put them side by side, which puts us into a unique position to work as a plaintiff litigating against the New York State Board of Elections and saying, Houston, we have a really huge problem. These people can't prove anything about our elections. We found this, we found this, we found this, all of our particularized claims, which there are many, you know, and and so we're actually <clears throat> this is inspiring us because let's say New York Citizens Audit does create a, a, a litigation impact before the 2024 general. What does that do for America? Nothing. Right. Nothing is what I'm saying, because there's 49 other states where it's still going on. <clears throat> so we decided to launch USA Citizens Audit. 
And we're actually now actively recruiting the people in all of those other states because, you know, nobody else has an answer. I'm so frustrated by this. The people on their white horses are not saying, we have a plan. Let's move together. Let's move forward, America, with a plan. I, I am not in favor of black box voting. Don't get me wrong. But it's not reasonable to think that 3,200 more counties in the next you know, 10 months before the primaries start are going to unplug their voting systems and use hand-counted paper ballots. We've been arguing that for two and a half years. A handful of counties have bravely done so, which is great. But that's not going to stop 2024. We, the people, have already done the work. It's so extraordinary to me how much canvassing effort, how much data analysis, how much I know these people. I've had meetings with them across the states. They're so dogged and they love America so much and have worked so hard. And I decided and my team supported this. I said, we're not going to let all that work go down the drain. We're not going to stand down on 2024. We did the work. We're going to find the law. We're going to put it side by side with the law. We're going to fundraise together for litigation in every state where we have evidentiary claims. And we are going to preposition standing in states all over the union on November 6, 2024, because they can't have our country. They can't have it. No, no, they can't. But you know something? I love the idea that you're recruiting now everybody else in other in other states to go along with this to make it it make it national. Um, but you know, if you were able to get that things really quote unquote, and I know it's a bad word, cleaned up in New York, and all of a sudden the state uh, the state assembly and Congress and even the governorship goes at least I mean even balances out a little bit. And we and Republicans win in places where they never won before because all of a sudden there is no longer a gigantic, ridiculous handicap. That would be enough to shock the damn world if all of a sudden New York. Uh, I mean, look for, for example, look at Florida. After the last two election cycles, nobody's talking about Florida being a battleground state anymore. And all right. they did was make a couple of really reasonable cleanups in the state. They got a couple of really bad. Uh, uh, people out in places like Broward County and elsewhere, and all of a sudden, it's like it's no longer in play. That that state's not going blue anytime soon, and it's not because of a, a not solely because of a, a, a big exodus, because that's just in the last couple of years. Um, so I guess that comes into that's my my first thing. Um, going national, that would be incredible, but it would also be one hell of a thing <laughs> to see something happen, pop off in New York, and people say, what yes. the hell? Oh, we're not abandoning New York. No, New York is the key. I mean, New York is setting the template for how we get this done in state after state. And I agree, a victory in New York is, it's in our sights. I mean, we, we can show and demonstrate that our elections massively violate the law. They cannot certify something that violates the law. That's that's way out. The, the only thing election officials are authorized to do is follow the law. That's how we keep our liberty. That's their job. It's like, it's like a, a very high honor position, which is interesting, right? Because we always talk about, oh, election integrity. I say that term is dead. It's done. Elections can't have integrity. Integrity means doing the right thing when no one is watching. 
right? An election can't do that. It's not a moral being. Yeah. Humans are moral. Elections are either, they're either accurate or they're invalid. That's it. Those are your two choices. And we have to help the people realize this election integrity term, you wanted to talk about information warfare, that is fake news, election integrity. Elections can't have integrity. I know how data people see it. I understand that there's actually a technical way of looking at the integrity of data, and that's what it really refers to. But in our minds, no, hell no. It's either accurate or it's invalid. And that's the only thing those officials are allowed to do is certify an accurate election. Hold tight to the law. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I use the, the term election integrity all the time. <laughs> and, uh, and I guess it's one of those things where uh, unconsciously or subconsciously, I know what I'm talking about. But when you really think about the, the, the things that we speak into existence, it, uh, it does personify things that do not deserve personification. It's people who have integrity or not. Yes. And it's, a, it's just a really wonderful point. Um, I, I know 2020 was the straw that broke the camel's back for you. What about the 2020, how much of the 2020 New York general primaries really inspired you prior to November? Because in June of 2020, that was when they were rolling out and really testing a lot of the mail-in ballot stuff this these these um uh, you know penny saver mail at home ballots everybody was getting not absentees or anything like that and i remember it was i think that it was still it was election night november and still we did not have an accurate account of what the primary results in new york was and I know that still at that point, especially in New York City, there were Democrats and Republicans who had open lawsuits against uh, against the state or their their certain municipalities or, or wherever because things were just they 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 felt like they they were so messy, and of course it took so much longer to to get accurate readings and and people from both both uh, both party persuasions felt jilted about one thing or another, so. Um, did you pay any attention to the primaries in, in all this? Obviously, it's kind of the same thing, but, uh, but still. Well, the primary that really caught my attention was 2022, the Republican gubernatorial primary, actually. And I don't, I, this is not evidence, but the number of people who went to vote in the gubernatorial primary and because at that point we had New York Citizens Audit up and running really strong and we had a great website and we had a citizen report form. And we also had, you know, many, many people knew about us in different precincts. Many of our volunteers are poll workers, so they're already invested in elections. And we were getting reports from all over New York State of many, many people. So it would be like two or three people per polling site would have this experience that they went to go and, and vote. They're Republicans, been registered Republicans their whole life, and they show up to vote, and their their registration record in the poll pad comes up with either a blank party affiliation or a Democrat party affiliation. And now they're not allowed to vote. That's it. You can't vote if you're not in that party for that election. And some of those people really fought and argued. Some of them actually went to judges that day and said, I must cast my ballot. I am a Republican. I know I'm a Republican. But if you have two to three people per polling site that this happens to across New York State, 
That is a margin of victory of 45,000 votes. Wow. And wow. each polling site is thinking, this is so weird. How did this happen here? Now, I don't know if that was fraud. I, I mean, I know it was fraud that these people's records were being tampered with. And I have some ideas about how that happened. Don't have any evidence. I'm not making a claim. I'm not, you know, I'm not here saying that I know how that happened at all. But I saw it happen. And I think it's very suspicious. And when you have a state database that where we know this is what it means when you have a total loss of control, it means the State Board of Elections thinks they're holding on to the steering wheel, right? They're like, oh, yeah, here we go. You know, oh, it's just another, oh, it's an extra registration from the DMV and we're just going to excuse it. We're going to wave the wand for, you know, 10 million registration records. We'll just wave the wand. That's what they do. Regardless, the steering wheel is somewhere else and they don't know where it is. Nobody knows where it is right now. We don't know if it's, uh, you know, if it's the state officials, if they're corrupt state officials. We don't know, we might have the, the most uncorrupt state officials in America for all we know. I, I mean, I kind of doubt it, but it's possible. But the database is out of their control. Right. That's what that term means. Right. So how did those how did their registration records, their poll pad records come up different? Well, there's a lot of different ways that could have happened, you know, because I know I mean, actually, we ran a little mini research project. We tried to get in touch with as many of those people as we could. Many of them were contacting us and many of them were posting on social media. We said, oh, please report this to New York Citizens Audit. Come to AuditNY.com, fill out the citizens report and tell us about it. I got in touch with tons of those people. I mean, tons. Okay. Um, 40, 50. It that's, a, like that's a lot of phone calls. It's Marla. a lot of phone calling. Okay. <laughs> but it, tons is a, is a little vague. Right. <laughs> I admit it. <laughs> so we figured out that 25 of those people were people who had multiple registration records in Nice Voter. And therefore, it's entirely possible that it was a, quote, clerical error. And for some reason, nice voters spit out the wrong record for that person because some of those registrations are affiliated with different parties. I mean, it's this is the problem. They're disin the chaos in the election system is disenfranchising voters. Now, voting law is generally civil rights law. This is the, you know, the Democrats love, and, and I, again, it, the Republicans would love it too if they were in control. They love to use civil rights law to weaken the standards over elections, actually, so that they can control outcomes, you know, because there's a lot of money. There's a lot of money involved. Uh, frankly, let, let's just be honest, right? Yeah. The if, the if the chain is broken, there's a whole lot of cash sitting over here that's coming from the American people that's not being correctly oversighted. And, and that's that attracts people who are lacking in that integrity. Oh, I, I remember in 2020, it was December of 2020, Bill de Blasio, um, it, it was obviously a few weeks before that runoff election in Georgia that would decide what the, the the makeup of the Senate was going to be. And Bill de Blasio just came out and said that, you know, um, he was being asked about the city budget going into 2021, and he couldn't really give an answer because depending on how the election in Georgia went, he'll know how much money was going to be sent to New York City so he can continue running 
uh, his his show into the ground. So yeah, there's 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 plenty. We're talking about billions, and when you're when you yes. talk about the 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 bigger office. There's plenty of money that is generated and spent in New York State alone. But when you talk about these these higher offices and, and things that people run for, we're talking about the ability to steer the flow of trillions of dollars. So, um, And that's our money. That yeah. Where did that money come from? It came from the American people. It didn't just come out of thin air. It's not just printed. That's our money. That's what I'm saying. You know, we have to say this is enough. We want valid elections that obey the law. You can't keep using our money and pat, you know, just burning it up. It's like it's like an addiction. It's like they're addicts. They're running America. They're addicts. They're addicted to burning up our money and patting each other on the back and putting out press releases. It's not working for us anymore. When you when you're dealing with people who are addicts, you don't ask them to fix the situation hey you know i know you're addicted hey let's you know what do you think should you go into rehab or not you know what are you thinking no you have to help that person you have to cut off their supply you have to pray for that person because that's a terrible circumstance for them individually and then you get up and you fix the problem because they're not capable they're they're not in a position to fix it we the people it's our money it's our country it's our kids we get up, we fix the problem. We want valid elections that obey the law. And here's everything we've found. The last two and a half years, the incredible investigations done by the American people, we found all of these circumstances where our elections were provably inaccurate. I'm not talking about, you know, were the ballots that went from Beth Page to Harrisburg, what happened? I don't know what happened with, we still don't know what happened with those, it's not provable. We want the provable inaccuracies that were certified anyway, the breaches of black letter election law. And then we can have our country back. It's not, you know, it's not the country we had four years ago. We've taken some serious hits, but we can start fixing it and start putting it back in order, start making it harmonious, start making it abundant and beautiful. Our, our beautiful farmland, our, the, the, the health and the bright po- promise of our young people, all of these things can be renewed. Mm. Yeah, especially when you think about a lot of the farmland that is just signed off to gigantic international corporate interests from, from who knows, maybe, maybe governing bodies that are not even legitimate but are just carrying water. And you know, and I, you, have, you have, I mean, what, what is a solar farm? What does it grow? It, it grows sunlight, don't you understand? <laughs> it just grows energy from the can, sun. You can eat that. Huh. You know, can you feed that to your kid? Is it healthy? No, I don't know. You, 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 and you can't eat the birds that it destroys as they fly <laughs> over the solar farms and get zapped like a microwave as well. I mean, every sustainable um, technology they run out there actually destroys ecosystems fa- faster than everything they were trying to correct or avoid. But you know, I, and, and there's there's so many little little questions I have for you. But I don't I don't want to keep you all night. But you know, the, like for example, you, you talk about all these duplicates. Well, I know of I know of at least three or three or four personal friends of mine in both New York and Pennsylvania who went to the voting booth that night to go and write their name in, pull the lever, and they were told you already voted. Right. You know, I. They didn't need a duplicate for them. Yes, that's the chaos of the voting system. And we have to put our foot down and say, we've discovered 
that our voting system is in a complete chaos. We've discovered that in New York, it's a total loss of control. And actually, you know, you were talking about uh, the impact, for example, of a win in New York, and I don't dispute that, and I'm going after that. Our team is, I mean, we are like dogs on a bone. We, what we've discovered, it's not going to be forgotten, and it's not going to be cast out on standing. We are very, very, very smart people acting in a very strategic fashion because the people of New York depend on this win. Actually, our children depend on this win. We're not going to screw it up. We are going forward. We are going to win. But the total loss of control data breach, the steganography, not only did we reverse engineer it in New York, we have reverse engineered it in New Jersey as well. That hasn't been peer reviewed and published, but it's a fact. We are working with a, an incredible team of researchers in North Carolina, and there are clear, irrefutable signs that it's in their database. We're working with a, a brilliant researcher in Ohio, clear, irrefutable signs that their database, the assignment of state and county ID numbers is being manipulated in the same way. Wow. It's not exactly the same algorithm, but it carries the same intent, which is basically to be able to track, and this is the part where we're, it looks like this is what's happening. For example, why would you do this to a database of voter registration if it wasn't to be able to track information about those registrations that's not in the record that's publicly available and assigned by law? So, you know, this is, it is a way. We, we can't prove yet that it's being used this way, but this is a way. If you have three million fictitious registrants, right? Because I didn't even bring that up. You know, we've gone, all of these excess registrations assigned to the same people, we've gone and canvassed them. And we've discovered many, many instances in which the people simply don't exist. Uh, there's a guy with 21 registration, unique State Board of Elections IDs in the Bronx. And we went to his address. They're all assigned on the same date to the exact same name, address, and date of birth. So it's not, there's no identity. But he didn't move. Here. He didn't die. He, he never existed. Move. He never, we went there. He doesn't exist. We looked him up in the Bronx and we looked, is he somewhere else? We found another address for someone with his name, which is a pretty unique name. We went to that address. It was a Western Union office. This guy doesn't exist. So some portion of these are fictitious from end to end you know and and so and as you said before three here three there all of a sudden there's tens of thousands of votes when you go from one side of a state to the other we found almost 700,000 votes in 2020 were cast by people who have these uh, multiple state ID number registrations. so maybe they have four and one of them voted in 2020 and a different one voted in 2022 how did that happen and, and, and some of them double voted. And we have people who triple voted in 2022. We have people who've double voted in 18 elections. It's, it is chaos. And you go and talk to those people and they say, I didn't do that. So court date, do you have a court date? <laughs> what, 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 <laughs> when, when can you save us? No, wait, wait, court date. Uh, let's say that you have your court date is tomorrow. I'd love to know what the plans are for actually getting this adjudicated. But what are you? Con well, forget about confidence and probability. I'm sure that you have the best of the best working there. But what do you believe would be able to be compelled by a court in New York? Um, what are you looking for as far as what's the what's the big victory? What do you want a court to compel? What action do you want compelled in, in New York that would fix this? Is it just 
it's all going away and a new system comes in how how do we you know how do we clean it up well i think and and everyone's not going to love what i'm going to say i think we have to do it in stages Um, one of the things that makes our arguments so strong to go into court is that not only have we made all these discoveries but we've reported them officially since may 9th of 2022 Um, We brought the evidence of the massive deficit, uh, the 338,000 more votes cast than voters who voted to in in that data. We brought the, you know, the excess registration data. We brought the the information about the, the votes cast by registration records that clearly violate black letter election law, but yet they were allowed to vote. So how did that happen? Was each one of those votes investigated? And how come the records weren't updated to accurately reflect the the repairs that were made? We brought all of this to the Attorney General, the Secretary of State, the State Board of Elections, and the heads of the Republican and the Democrat parties on May 9th of 2022. We, uh, We brought them with service of process. We have stamped signed receipts from those agents admitting and acknowledging that they received these documents from New York Citizens Audit. We got them, we brought them in the form of a petition for redress of grievances pursuant to the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, which is like that's like the trump card that's like you have to respond this is a constitutional duty you swore an oath when you took your office and we're bringing this in a form that you absolutely must respond to other than you know other than a lawsuit which we had no money at the time um but but they knew then in june of 2022 we met with the state police the this the special investigations unit of the new york state police we met with them for four hours <laughs> sequestered in an office in Albany with the smartest guys in the New York State Police. And we showed them the algorithms and they couldn't believe it. They were absolutely floored. They thought that they were going to have a 20 minute interview with some nut jobs wearing red hats. They did not expect to see a forensic investigation laid out in front of them end to end, nearly complete already at that point demonstrating that the voter rolls had been breached and they said we want to help you we're going to bring this to the best and the brightest we don't have jurisdiction over a state level like a federal election we don't have jurisdiction in that circumstance we can't investigate this we have to bring it to the foreign intelligence task force of the fbi oh boy yeah (laughs) so let me tell you what happened nothing so in June of 2022, we told them the database was breached. The SIU agreed that this was a critical breach of our secure, national security infrastructure. They brought it to the FBI. When we got another copy of Nice Voter in December, the, the New York State voter rolls, when we got that in December after the 2022 general election was certified, we got, it was certified on December 15th. We got it a couple days later. Algorithm still in the database they broke the law when they administered that 2022 election the first thing we're asking for because we want to go into court with an ask that a judge is going to agree with we want the books opened up we're asking we have people actually all over new york state we have hundreds and hundreds of people i think we have 168 towns already have been presented with what we call the resolution for an end-to-end audit of New York's 2022 general election. Why audit, right? Why why are we auditing and not just going straight for the jugular? Honestly, 
we need to know where the breaches took place. The voting system starts at registration and it ends at certification. Our, our, our elections right now are like a precious jewel and they are surrounded by this interconnected tapestry of state and federal laws. Every time a piece of data, whether it's on a piece of paper or it's electronic, enters or exits through that tapestry, there's an auditable record created. We have to open up the books, just like if you had fraud in a bank, you don't just you know, go after one guy and say, well, this is all your fault. You open up the books and you figure out where the heck did we go wrong? How badly did we go wrong? Was it deliberate? Is it, you know, is it possible that there were legitimate errors made? How do we fix it where there was a legitimate error? Because the first thing that we have to do is secure the 2024 voting system. It has to be secure. It has to be able to produce an accurate, provable result. So you, the, your goal is you want 2024 to be on the up and up in New York. Absolutely. Oh, it has man. to be. Oh, I, pl please, when you leave here tonight, <laughs> make sure that every update, everything I, I should know, because I know that people in this, this audience, now that they know that it's not just a New York story, and it's a story that, that really you know, runs the gamut across the whole union, and of course the audience, they really they get invested in, in these types of conversations we have and want updates. Please do not... Do not spare any updates. I want to know where you're going to be, when, and and pass things along. This is this is very very incredible stuff because there's not a lot of time on the clock. No, there's not. We have to we have to get in the position. It has to be already in the court records that we've brought everything in advance. We're not litigating an election. We're litigating a voting system that has gone rogue. So we're not talking we're not asking a judge to say this person was you know was elected but the other person should have been elected or it's so close that I can't figure it out and we have to readminister the election. All we're asking for is a judge to say elections must obey the law. The state board of elections has to fix this. Let's open up the books. Let's figure out every single place that the critical uh, controls the security controls for the voting system were breached. Let's figure out what the error rate is at each one of those breaches. Let's figure out what the heck is going on with this total loss of control thing they're talking about that the Journal of Information Warfare Cybersecurity Cyber Intelligence Experts agree is real. <laughs> Three of them said, wow, looks like steganography to me. Looks like in-band signaling. Looks like a terrible, terrible breach. The judge is going to, uh, how in that instance is a judge going to say, well, actually, this looks fine to me. You don't have standing, and the State Board of Elections is doing their best with a really complicated problem. No way. Banks process millions of transactions every single day accurately. Hmm. It's, there's no reason the Board of Elections can't verify the identity of their voters, their registrants. Banks do that every day. There's no reason that they can't keep track of more than one record of a person and resolve them down to a single one. There's no, actually in the law, you know, fascinatingly, when we look for all of these, what we call the cloned registrations, they're not duplicates, okay? If you have the same personal identifying information and it appears more in more than one instance in the database and it has the same state board of elections ID number, that's a duplicate, we'll, great, we'll give you that. 
because that person can't cast more than one vote. We, caught, we came up with our own name because they don't actually have a name for this when you have more than one state ID and you're the same person. We call them clones. I know other state teams have come up with their own names because they find them too. You know, this is going on all over the place. But, but when you have that circumstance, and I, now I forgot what I was going to say, drat. <laughs> It's all right. You've been, yeah, listen, you, you've been blowing us all away tonight. You, you are, you are afforded at least one brain fart. Jeez, <laughs> my God, it's just, it's incredible. What well, was that? Yeah, I know, but I don't remember what I was going to say. It's like, it's just, it, it. You know what? It's a mess. Yes. That's what it is. That's it's what it a is. mess. It's, it's contrary to the law. Okay, check this out. We have one and a quarter million excess state ID numbers assigned contrary to the law. We have 1.9 million state records in the state. They're in the state database, but they're not in the county databases, which is a prima facie breach of state board of elections law. It's I'm not going to go into it, but it's just crushing. We have uh, 2.4 million excess ID numbers total since we've discovered that some of those uh, initial identifiers are fictitious, end to end. We started adding up, this was my Twitter math project that night. <laughs> I started adding up all of these. Now, they don't, don't, they don't add straight, but I started adding up the violations, right? Because some of some records have more than one flaw. I started adding up all the violations. It's more than the entire population of the state of Wisconsin. How do you think the people of Wisconsin feel about that being called a clerical error? Oh, I know. You know, and this, and this is the other thing here, too, that anybody that would be opposed to, to see these numbers and be opposed to uh, addressing this, not seeing how it affects, this is not a political issue. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of people in this state who like the culture who like the security of knowing, well, we live in New York, Democrats win here, that this is subconsciously a advantage and they don't want to rock the boat. I would have to say, I, I'm just speaking on my behalf. Yeah, I, just, I agree. I, I feel there's a lot of people that don't want to rock the boat because for some people, the results that continue coming out are pleasing to them. And um, that's the big, that's the last question or the last thing I want you to comment on. And that is when we talk about election integrity <laughs> as a psychological weapon. A, the term itself is a psychological weapon. It kind of throws you off there. But um, first you create how, why, the, another reason why it's a weapon is because first it creates a situation where a state can become swayed, undetected. Uh, and, and if you repeat that a few times, you get the results that you want a few times, suddenly people inside and outside the state start believing that a red state is actually blue, or just for the sake of fairness, a blue state could be red if it's being swayed the other way. And then um, ab abnormal results become the norm. Uh, it then becomes a weapon to de-incentivize people. I know around here, in New I mean, around here, Nita Lowy for 30 years, I, I mean, she just walked into Congress. There was a, quite a few times she was just ran unimposed because who are you going to, if you're not, if you're, who are you going to run against Nita Lowy in, in district, uh, where are we over here? I think we're, this is the 17th district. Unopposed. Um, it de-incentivizes people from voting at all because just like 
most traditional Americans who don't find themselves on like a progressive side of things or whatever, we start feeling like, what the hell's the point? Okay, yeah, here I am, a a uh, you know a constitutionalist living in Westchester, New York. Uh, what is my vote really going to matter at all? It, 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 so that's the other part of you know trying to de-incentivize people from actually taking part in this civic process there. So I guess my question to you is, since you've been so down and dirty in the in the evidence and the numbers and the sta- staggering numbers they are, do you think that New York is as hopelessly blue as we have been conditioned to believe? We're in the middle of an information war and New York is ground zero. Nobody knows what's really happening. Nobody knows what New Yorkers believe. They can't prove it. That's the problem. That That's their problem. It's not our problem. It's their problem now because we figured it out. So now we can hold them accountable because no one can prove what New York really is. What I can tell you is it's ground zero in a massive information war. What is the point of information war? It's destabilization. If you want, okay, and you you mentioned this before and we never really quite, quite got back around to it. National security infrastructure. Why are voting systems national national security infrastructure? Because that's how we determine our governance. If you want to, let's say, take advantage of the greatest free nation that has, you know, let's say at least of modern times, the most incredible free nation of modern times with incredible abundance, beautiful people, great education. I mean, this is how America was. (laughs) I'm not saying it's like that today. We still have this potential. It's not like it's been removed, but we're in this fog. We're in this horrible fog that's turning family members against one another. It's turning community members against one another. It's making Republicans and Democrats uh, like, you know, mortal enemies. This is not healthy. This is an attack on our culture. And the voter rolls matter. The voting systems matter because if you want to try to, let's say, um, you know, increase your advantage inside of that system and take advantage of that system, let's say you're a crook. What better way than to, you know, deeply embed hidden programming into the voter roll databases that allows you to manipulate election outcomes little by little you're in control so you can you can oh over here we'll throw them a bone so they don't think the system is hopelessly rigged we'll throw them a bone over here we'll throw them a bone over here and we'll throw this guy a bribe to be quiet about it for all we know i'm not saying i know but it looks like that for sure so that's that's the destabilization of that country or that state that territory for someone else's advantage If you, you know, I I did this interesting talk uh, like over a year ago. I was talking about the correlation between the, the, what they used to call the Indian problem and the American patriot problem. You have a bunch of people armed to the teeth, highly self-reliant and resilient, very well educated and absolutely unshakable in their faith. You don't want to face them on a battlefield. You're going to get wiped. (laughs) right? You are not going to win that battle. So you have to attack them somewhere else. And they talk about, you know, in the, 
in the Declaration of Independence, one of the grievances was the quartering of troops in our homes, right? Now they're quartering the troops in our minds. That's where they're conducting this war. We have to get straight. We have to get absolutely straight that the way we fix America and take back our beautiful system of liberty that we were gifted is to break this insane problem with the voting system. We want valid elections that obey the law. And again, I remember what I was going to say going back. It's like you go to a judge. What judge, if you're fighting an election outcome, that judge is in a terrible position. If you're saying, judge, we know our election system is breaking the law and we just want them to follow the law. That's all we're asking for, right? What judge can can say, having sworn an oath to uphold that fundamental principle? Nah. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's very it's very very smart, uh, especially since any kind of inquiry of this kind is automatically um, the straw man that's created is oh they're they're denying elections like no 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 I'm not asking for anybody to be removed from office we're not trying to, to redress a grievance because our person lost wherever that person yeah. was or what this is about. We have found a problem that affects everybody who belongs to all parties or unaffiliated that we are not living in an actual democratic society. There's the, 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 the tool of democracy that makes republicanism, little r republicanism possible, is not there for us. That this, you know, it's very, very, um, very smart, and I'm man, I'm I'm so happy you you came here tonight. This was a wonderful, wonderful talk, and and full of fire. And so, um, I guess in in closing, where what's your next step? Do you have anything on the docket? Are you just doing more media now? Uh, are you getting ready to prepare something for the the courts, or do you already have something in? Well, we have counsel, which is a huge step because we didn't have counsel for a very long time, and it was this open question. We now have counsel, so we're actively preparing. We are also actively fundraising, so if you want to support an effort, a legitimate effort using real evidence and data to save America, please go to auditny.com and chip in what you can. It's a 501c3. Uh, every single penny of your donation goes directly into our actions. We are all volunteers. Um, and that's also how you can begin to donate to USA Citizens Audit. It's also how you can begin to volunteer, either for New York Citizens Audit or USA. If you go to auditny.com, hit the volunteer button and tell us about you, tell us about your skills, how you wanna help, and we will do our best to right away get you active on this battlefield because it takes all hands on deck and we are definitely going to win this fight. And uh, we have, as far as uh, the New York Citizens Audit effort is concerned, what we're doing again is we're, we're active at the town board level right now, which has proven to be a very effective strategy. Last summer we went to the, the county legislatures and it wasn't, we didn't get a lot of response. We thought we brought them shocking information and they dismissed it. We're going to the town boards one by one by one and, and the, the impact is shocking actually. People don't know what to do. <laughs> That's, uh, hey, I'm, and I'm so glad. And so I want everybody to come and be a part of that. You can also follow us on social media, uh, New York Citizens Audit News on every platform. 
I'm on Twitter personally, Marley Hornick. I dabble in Truth Social. Let's be honest. Yeah, everybody dabbles <laughs> a little bit there. But I'm really most most uh, active on Twitter. Well, I'll make sure I tag you on Twitter when I when I release the 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 version the recorded version of this later on tonight. Great. But we're live. We have a, a great audience right now. People are just eating your work up. It's it's really been a fantastic talk, and um, I guess uh, yeah, the, 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 I, that's really awesome to go to the town councils. Are you ta also talking with sheriffs and all that too? Uh, I have personally met with quite a few sheriffs in New York State. Um, it's again, it's a very tough nut to crack yeah. at the sheriff level because it's a state level manipulation. Right. So it's tough for them to get involved, but we do have them canvassing double votes from 2022 where they've been willing to get involved. Uh, that's an area where they can, you know, that's a crime. So they can investigate it and then they can post their results. We can take a look at what they found. And now it's just a nicer, uh, it's a heightened level of evidence to be able to bring in our little quiver when we go into court. So you make me very proud to, to, <laughs> to, to, to at least for now, still be a New Yorker. Uh, I really, because I, I always tell people, I mean, we get a really bad rap. We get a really bad rap because of, you know, things that go on in, in the city, especially when things are not good, uh, when the things that go on in Albany. Uh, but the rest of the state is it, it's it, the whole it's go, it's a gorgeous state. Mm -hmm. uh, the people uh, geographically, it's just we really are blessed over here. And and man, oh, man, you uh, I, I we we're going to be praying for you. And you got to let me know anything that we can do to contribute to the effort. And I'll 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 keep updating people and. And hopefully we can crack that nut because, as you said before, it's just it feels like if this dam breaks, it's just going to go to every other place in the country because this would definitely get uh, garner quite a few headlines. Yes, I think, you know, seeing the Democrats and, and again, I'm not advocating for one political party or another. I'm not impressed by either right at the moment, but seeing them stake their, you know, put their stake in in this territory and claim it, just think. Just, I'm going to leave your audience with one last thing to contemplate. If there's 5.8 plus million, and these are the ones we found, million uh, records in NICE voter that violate the law in a material fashion, um, what's going on with apportionment? Because the census scrapes that data every two years. So is it possible that New York is overrepresented in Congress. <laughs> I'm not, that's not a popular opinion. You know, when I say things like that, that doesn't make the New York State GOP want to meet with me, but they didn't want to meet with me anyway. You know, we brought them data and they didn't want to look at it around Are you talking state, the state legislature or in no, DC? No, I'm talking about federal apportionment, oh. electoral college votes, Congress. Okay, so if if our voter rolls are that inflated, is that impacting apportionment? If you take all of the, the states where the Democrats currently have their stake in the ground, New York, New Jersey, Illinois, California, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, now coming on Arizona, and you actually sit there and you and you add up those electoral college votes, if we don't push back on New York, right now it's really not good oh i know why we, we have to push back on new york for america but we also have to push back everywhere else it's like one state is not enough we we have the right argument we have the right way to do this and and the people did it 
that's who did this <laughs> because I we love this country I can. That's the one thing that I can say, and I've seen it already uh, get expressed in the chat rooms. That they can feel the love and the care coming off of you. <laughs> so th th you can't do something, you can't undertake something like this without a real, uh, genuine passion for something, uh, trying to do something bigger than ourselves. So I, um, I'm again, thank you so much for spending some time with us tonight. We went m well over what we <laughs> thought, and I'm happy for it. Because now there's less work for me to do in the short second half. So now here's the real question. <laughs> how, <still> going. <laughs> how quickly, as soon as I cut to this, <laughs> as soon as I cut to this, this music video. Put my stuff in the bag. You put your stuff in the bag <laughs> because I don't have an intern here to bring you guys to your car. So I'm going to have to get you to the, uh, the exits. Take a sip of water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take your time. Take everybody. Do you let me know? Has everybody taken their sip of water? <laughs> I have five minutes. This this is a five minute long music video. I come back and I, I'll I'll run. You guys, you guys just fast walk with me, okay? <laughs> Alrighty, hey, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. I will be right back. I'm going to escort these lovely ladies. You've only met one of them, but there's three lovely ladies here. <laughs> I'm going to escort these lovely ladies to the uh, to the exits, and I will be right back. Uh, enjoy a uh, a little bit of a, a ditty you haven't heard in a while from my band, quite uh, not quite frankly, from Set the Charge. Don't let them in. We will be right back.
It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Quite frankly. 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 Quite Quite frankly. Quite Quite frankly. How dare you? Boy, what a what a great night. I knew that that was going to be a great conversation and of course it took off with a life of its own and she's really something really really something um marley is <clears throat> what do you want pyretta how'd you get in here how'd you get in here i don't even remember you coming in here the cat is in here um there Look at this cat. Look at this cat. You're a cat. You know that? Anyway, um, thank you guys and gals for listening to that. It really applies to us all. And I can't wait to have her back and to get these wonderful results of her efforts. And man, I it'd be really awesome to win one really would let me take some calls uh, let me take some uh, questions and super chats first we'll see what kind of time we're dealing with for calls njsf says great guest great interview questions from marley has the stenography been found to identify the voter party registration hmm should have asked her that but i did not see this it's a great question it's a great question you know, I guess to 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 break it down by voter party registration would be a an interesting metric, but I think the more uh, impactful one would to be just to show everybody how it doesn't matter who you are, your votes are not safe. Now, somebody might be voting in your in your name or in effigy, you know, one of the clones that they made for you. 
but like I said before, in in many con- in many different contexts, if you enjoy something that is happening in society, something that is being compelled by authoritative sources, so so called, um, and you so you just so happen to agree with what they're pushing out there, that is just a convenience. It's just convenient that you agree with them. There are a lot of people in New York State, many millions, according to what we listen to tonight, and again, applies to many, all of your states, your respective states too. Many millions of people in New York State, what do you want? This is why you shouldn't have snuck into the room because now the door is closed. What do you want me to do? Open it up? She wants me to open up the door. But many millions of people inside of New York have been disenfranchised regardless of how they vote. Now, um, it has been made a certain way that there are results and results have been made to be what they are by somebody. Because again, just to to quote a little bit of what she put in that that really staggering report, uh, to be absolutely clear, there is no known innocent purpose or explanation for why these algorithms exist. I am told by cyber intelligence experts they indicate a total loss of control data breach and most severe kind of data breach recognized by our federal government. Um, so no innocent purpose or explanation. So things are going according to plan for somebody. Now, in the mix, I'm sure that there are plenty of people who appreciate their election results. But again, it's not because of something they did. It's not because of their you know, going to the polls. Hold on, this damn cat snuck in. One second. Go, get out of here. All right. I'm back. So, we'll see where it all, where all goes, all the, the newest information that comes in. Stosoup says, Frank and frankly, as we meet again, great Wednesday and even greater show. Be well. Thank you for the, not only for the support, but the encouragement. I really appreciate it. It's a wonderful morale boost to get this kind of interaction from people and from their, uh, their, their contributions to the show. I also want to say a little something. We are going to be putting out a little bit of a promotion in July. Where is it? Let me just tell you right now that I'll, I'll put it, I'll go into detail a little bit more tomorrow. Lauren has been helping me come up with some really great ways of having fun with people from month to month. Monthly incentives, here you go. So we have a patron contest that we wanna do. We're gonna be giving away a quite frankly beach towel. It's the $30 towel that's on the, the Teespring site. So we're gonna be giving away a beach towel it's going to be a super chat contest in um in july or is it june it's a super chat contest wait no the the july promo Hmm. never mind never mind i have to make sense of these notes and uh and i will (laughs) <laughs> anyway, we're going to be doing a uh, a special where we're we're giving away postcards, very special patriotic postcards, and we want to source from the audience what is going to be on the postcard. 
So if you have a personal design or anything like that that you think would be fun, we would like for you to uh, put them and tag me in the Gilded in the, fan, uh, the quite frankly, fan art section, in the Contribute Frankly section on the Gilded. So uh, that's, that's one thing. We're going to be doing a lot more Gilded stuff there. Last night I streamed from the drum set into the Gilded video chat, which people said did not exist, but it most certainly does. So we are in... We're doing a lot of special streams in there, and soon we'll be taking calls from the Gilded, just like in the old Discord days. But now we're just not on a totally commie compromised um, platform. So, just a little fun for as long as it lasts. All right, over on Rumble, Cremo says in 2016 the dnc stated in a florida courtroom that they are not legally bound to honor their party's primary election results because they are a private corporation they honor uh, shareholders not voters oh yes and in 2016 the only shareholder was the hillary clinton campaign cremo also says the belief that the state cares about your vote or your law is hilarious they only care about your belief in your vote well, that's how it's all gone on from there. Poso for Hope says, this is very inspiring. Thank you, Marley and Frank. Hey, Marley did all the work. I, I'm, I'm so happy to have just been able to have some time with her and ask her some great questions. Chai Possum on QuiteFrankly.tv says, good evening, Frank, Franklies, and Franciscans. See, that was very inclusive. Thank you, Chai Possum. Finally, somebody not declaring war on the new radical sect of... Uh, of all- <laughs> of audience members um sean joe thank you rise attire says amazing patriots like this woman have been awakened across the country our enemies are done for great guest oh let me go up to the top paulie thank you sean joe thank you robert sarns again thank you rise attire says frank saying most people are waiting for the eight wait wait waiting for the ap to tell them who won is a grave injustice to our majority well, I mean, it's not an injustice. It's just a reflection of the truth. That was the rubber stamp on 2020. We were, uh, for, for days after the election, we were checking the television and anywhere else that had the polls showing the lead, the over 100,000 vote lead in, uh, in, in, in places like Pennsylvania, whittle away, whittle away, whittle away, until the authoritative source, which the Associated Press has been deemed to say who the stillborn president-elect was um let's see here chai possum says marley is amazing thank you frank i feel so much smarter i feel smarter but i also feel i feel comforted because who knows what happens from here on in but again, Marley is a, a, an example of the people who are doing amazing things in places like New York that are considered in a very pop culture kind of a way uh, to be hopeless, despotic places, which it's not hopeless. And even though, um, even though we have very despotic people in state government and, and uh, in, in media and whatever you know people are people and that gave me a lot of hope and a lot of comfort 
Uh, EO2 Dave says, I hope Marley has given this info to the new Congress. Well, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what she has given to the new Congress, but, but it, if it go, if it starts going national, then maybe. I mean, when she said that she was dealing with the FBI, I said, oh, no. And then uh, imagine my shock when she said that nobody called her. But it's great to hear that other states are doing this. There are people, citizens of other states that are doing the same exact thing. And there's a little bit of coordination uh, between everybody. So they're, they know what to look for and, and, and what to document. I think those are all wonderful, wonderful things. Okay, a couple of random items here. I got this from Zen Lama Bill. This was about the about NATO taking control of our Gerald Ford carrier group. He said, Frank, I was immediately up in arms over your article saying that the carrier group was controlled by NATO. It's always been my understanding, I'm retired U.S. Army, that the President of the United States maintains command over all U.S. forces, that no foreign units can command U.S. forces. However, this prompted me to do a search, search to verify what I thought I knew. I was correct, but only semantically, thanks to Bill Clinton. Here's an excerpt from Command versus Operational Control, a critical review of PDD-25 by J. William Snyder. On May 3rd, 1994, President Bill Clinton signed Presidential Decision Directive 25, PDD 25, a policy directive outlining the administration's position on reforming multilateral peace operations, the result of a 14-month interagency review of U.S. policy regarding multinational peacekeeping operations, PDD 25, sets forth several stringent requirements that must be satisfied before the U.S. will participate in future international peacekeeping operations and suggests ways in which the U.N. could improve its management of such operations. In one of PD25, PDD25's provisions, the Clinton administration attempts to clarify the position of the United States with regarding command and control of United States military personnel participating in a multilateral peacekeeping operation or operations. The directive defines command of United States armed forces and operational control of those forces they distinguishes the two and maintains that although the president never relinquishes command over the United States military personnel, he may place United States military personnel under the operational control of a non-U.S. commander for limited and defined purposes. That, that is a relinquishing of command. That is a, a temporary, defined, well-defined, limited-time basis relinquishing of command. Bill goes on to say, so even though it galls me, Biden is able to give operational control to that battle group to NATO, of that battle group to NATO. I still say it's bullshit. It is. It is. And this is why I say lawyers have ruined the country. This is the kind of damage a lawyer does to the law. Listen to that tortured language just to be able to give international military bodies control over our property, our boys, our girls out there serving this country in any kind of official capacity. Just um, 
just incredible. I, I cannot, uh, I, I can't believe that all it would take to give that kind of autonomy over our military or any portion of our military to foreign nationals, that all it would take is a presidential directive written by, uh, that, that's all it would take? A directive? Right there from the Resolute desk, all of a sudden, get out of here. Again, precedent setting, legalese, and lots of bad habits turned into tradition with all the trappings of law and order and all that stuff that's that's bullshit that is bullshit oh man man oh man uh, 852 852 I've got so much more to do with you tomorrow and I guess we should just wrap it up here tonight there's no time there's no time to do anything else. And we've got Leo Zagami coming on tomorrow. Remember, uh, we are only going to be live until about 8.30. I'll start a few minutes earlier, so we'll only shave about 15 minutes off of the total show because you are all welcome to hang out for book club session two, especially and only if you are a monthly sponsor of the show. Please consider being that because it's a, it's a tough thing to do to compete with everybody else. And, um, and it's just, it really is a wonderful, wonderful passion of mine. And I'm so happy that we've been able to do as much as we have with as little as we've got, but a little goes a long way. And you guys are just the bee's knees. Love you all. I really do. And if you have anything else you want to add to tonight, a question, anything else, please send it to quite frankly, podcast at gmail.com. Now for tonight's badass, I have a very special a very special one to uh, to do with you and um so i want to get around to that let me see do i have it everything all worked out yes i do okay so here is what we got for our badass tonight very very special one i'm i can't wait to do it here it is that's some badass shit it's pretty badass. Yes, it is. And who's the badass tonight? Who is this little fella right here? This is Aaron. This is Aaron from Chicago, son of our good buddy in Chicago, Nick. And Nick's, Nick um, submitted his son Aaron to the show as the badass of the evening. And he says this, Frank, my June badass is my eight-year-old son Aaron. He wants to follow in his big brother's footsteps, so last year he tried out for the travel baseball team. They won their fall baseball league and practiced all winter. As the season approached, his stomach began to hurt, and he ended up having an emergency surgery to remove lymphoma from his intestines. He cheered his team on from a second uh, to a uh, cheered his team on to a second place finish in a Memorial Day tournament, and is ready to play his first official travel game Sunday, three weeks after his surgery. Monday. He will begin, this is the, the, the last Monday. The Monday he will begin chemotherapy. So it may be his only game this year. I'm proud to be this young man's father and coach. Really just wanted to share my boy with you and asking for prayers. Nick from Chicago. Aaron from Chicago is our badass tonight. And he is one hell of a badass. And I hope that he enjoys the rest of the, the season. He's part of that team no matter what. And uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, um, Aaron, if you are listening, I've had plenty, 
plenty of times in my 16 years coaching Little League where we had teammates that were sidelined for one thing or another. They got sick. Some had Lyme disease. Some had, you know, th things that really just sidelined. Some had broken legs, whatever the hell it is. Um, there's always a reason sometimes to have to sit it out and to heal up and to get better. But nothing, nothing supplements your your sportsmanship and your time on the bench with your teammates. That means the world. It really is, and that that just means if you're not on the on the uh, the field, if you're not on the field, you have to be extra over the top. You got to be doing the book, be be doing the book with your father. Learn how to do the book now. How are you scoring? What's going on? Learn the situations. Give everybody the the support, the pep talks that they need. Go coach third base a little bit if you got to have, have to go do that. Learn the signs. Go and do it. You are getting a front row seat to the best education in the game you can get. And then when you're ready to go out there and kick ass, you go and you kick ass. And you must kick ass. So all the best, all the best. And I can't wait, all the, uh, wait to hear all the great updates. Heal up, my friend. We are very proud of you. All right. With that, I wish you all a good night tomorrow, 7 o'clock. We will be here again to do it all over again. All right? Thanks, everyone, and thanks again to Marley Hornick. We'll talk to you tomorrow. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly is filmed before a live studio audience, and now our super chatters, starting with... Where are the hell are they? Outa. Oh, I didn't see this. Outa, I don't know how it's around you, but in Buffalo, can't remember the last time we had clear skies. Oh, it's terrible over here. I'm sorry, Outa. I didn't see that until right now. Poso for Hope, thank you so much. Thank you also to Cremo. Thank you to my friends on Rockfin and JSF for all the tips. And to all my friends over on Foxhole. It is Rabbit Hole Wednesday. I don't know what's playing, but enjoy yourselves. On Quite Frankly Podcast or QuiteFranklySuperChat.com, thank you to Stostube. Hope to see more of you here tomorrow hanging out and uh, enjoy your evening. Good night. <laughs>